0: I'm Brandon Bartnek, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the people leading this revolution and to highlight the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop and implement safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. This podcast is brought to you by FEV. Check us out on LinkedIn or learn more at FEV.com. Today's guest is Mark Osman. Mark is CEO and co-founder of Airflow.Aero, a startup developing the first electric short takeoff and landing aircraft developed for middle mile logistics. This is interesting for a few reasons. One, as you'll listen, Mark's background is incredible, including chief strategists of the Airbus Fahana project, which you might recognize if you're in the aerospace field. And this is also interesting because, as you might have noticed, this is not an EVTOL or a vertical takeoff landing they're developing. It's an electrified short takeoff and landing vehicle with a dedicated purpose, which has, has some interesting implications here. Anyways, great discussion. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark Osman. Today, I'm joined by Mark Osman. Mark, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, so l- really looking forward to the discussion. It seems like you guys are working on some, some really cool uh, technology and solving an interesting problem here. So to get us started, could you please introduce yourself and share a bit about what you're working on?
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Mark Osman. I'm one of the co-founders of Airflow.Aero. We are building an electric short takeoff and landing aircraft with a market focus on same day logistics um, tied to e-commerce. And our aircraft is uh, designed to move cargo across the middle mile, which is the segment of the supply chain before last mile. So basically anything that goes out for delivery needs to get transported over the middle mile. Typically this is moving goods um, from warehouse to warehouse um, before it goes out for delivery
0: yeah and i actually somewhat good timing so one of my recent guests was uh from company gaddick who on the ground transportation side they're focused on automating the middle mile as they call it so yeah short short haul b2b logistics for someone like walmart or something is is their uh their market can you describe so when we're talking using the term middle mile how is that similar or is there difference now when we're talking about um kind of an yeah, the focus that you guys are taking from the, the aircraft view?
1: Yeah, no, it's very similar. Uh, their focus is on, on ground transportation. Our focus is of course on air transportation. Um, and, you know, this is typically, this is a segment of the market that aviation has not really been able to address before on a commercial basis. Uh, and that's because uh, the, today's aircraft need, you know, thousands of feet of runway and therefore need to fly from airport infrastructure to airport infrastructure. Uh, And what we can do is fly directly from warehouse to warehouse um, because a short takeoff and landing aircraft built with new technology, um, one of those key new technologies is electric propulsion. It allows us to build an aircraft that can take off and land on very short distances, just a few hundred feet uh, of runway needed and can do it very economically. And so, you know, one of the use cases is, is flying from warehouse to warehouse or warehouse to retail center or parking lot to parking lot. Um, and, uh, and so there's a little bit of infrastructure need, needs to be built there, but, but not much. Um, and we can also fly out to remote areas, islands, uh, remote towns and villages that don't have airports um, <clears throat> because we can use, uh, you know, small sections of roads or fields or there unimproved sections of land with just, again, a few hundred feet needed to land. And, and so that allows um, aviation to provide benefits in areas where it really couldn't do it before. Um, and, and that means we can effectively compete with ground transportation. And I don't want it to sound like ground transportation, ground transportation is a direct competitor. Um, where air transport differs from ground transport is, is, um, is time. And so when time is of the essence, you need something faster than ground transportation. And with our initial market being e-commerce, when you look at the growth of e-commerce, it's literally, you know, FedEx says it's going to double in, in four years. And, um, and actually three years uh, from now, the number of packages delivered daily is going to double from 50 million to hundred million just in the United States alone. So that's pretty massive. Uh, and today, e-commerce accounts for uh, a very small percentage, less than fifteen percent of of the overall uh, retail sales in the United States. Um, and uh, you know, the United States is only five percent of the world's population. You can't you can't extrapolate it linearly because the the rest of the world uh, doesn't have the economic engine the United States does. But still, um, there's there's room for massive growth there. And so, uh, you know, if if e-commerce doubles, it's still, you know, less than 30%. So there's, there's still a lot of room for this. And when you look at, um, you know, doubling or tripling or quadrupling the number of trucks on roads today, um, and when you look at the needs to move cargo faster and faster, uh, that just doesn't make sense. That's not a long-term solution, regardless if they're automated, regardless if they're, uh, you know, if they're, if they're electric or diesel, and, and so, um, air transport will be a solution in the overall set of solutions that logistics companies have available to them. In certain situations, they'll use trucks or vehicles like Gattic. Uh In other situations, they'll use air vehicles um, where uh, time is, is really much more uh, uh, of the essence and, and that's where we fit in. So, it's it's a new um, say, you know, a new arrow in the quiver of tools that logistics companies have available to them to address the needs for same-day e-commerce and moving goods where uh, the time-sensitive nature is becoming more and more uh, important.
0: Well, and I want to circle back to kind of the, the application, what the business looks like and, and things like that, but I it, it seems like part of this is really enabled by the technology too, so so I'd like to, to spend a little time talking about these electric short takeoff and landing uh, vehicles. So from my my understanding, uh, this distributed propulsion system is, is a critical enabler here. Can, can you speak to kind of the, the importance there?
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, the technology is just now good enough to be used uh, in aircraft. And A little background on how we got here, Um, the Airflow team, all of the co-founders of the Airflow team worked on the Airbus Vahana program, and that was an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft that we built while we worked for for Airbus uh, on the Silicon Valley outpost called A-cubed. And A-cubed starts, um, their, their MO is basically to start various projects to explore new technologies and they have projects for, for manufacturing technology and there's a air traffic management. There's a, a per seat on demand, a helicopter charter one. There's all kinds of these exciting ones. And one of them was an electric vertical takeoff and landing project that lasted about three years. Uh, and, and so they're defined period projects where we set out to accomplish and learn more about a specific technology. And we did that. We've, we built and flew a full-scale EV toll, flew about 140 flights Uh, And, and, uh, and then Airbus is now taking those learnings and incorporated into their overall urban air mobility uh, program back in Europe. And um, based on what we learned there, we learned that EV tolls are very complex, very expensive to build uh, and have a, you know, a very challenging path to get into commercial service. And so we believe that an electric short takeoff and landing aircraft uh, is actually a much better way to implement electric propulsion and provide these benefits to, to society. Um, and what electric propulsion gives you two, is two main benefits. One is sustainability, of course. that's very obvious, but the less obvious benefit is that it allows engineers to design aircraft with capabilities that you can't build with piston or turbine engines. And, and that's because piston or turbine engines don't scale down very, very well. Uh, small engines are very inefficient, they're very loud. Uh, you know, the mechanical nature of them makes them uh, very costly to operate compared with electric motors, whereas electric motors scale up and down very linearly in terms of power. Yes. So what it allows engineers to do is place a lot of um, smaller motors that drive propellers all around the aircraft. Uh, in the case of a vertical takeoff and landing like the one we built for, for Airbus, we had eight motors and propellers that would lift the aircraft uh and that compares with a helicopter that typically has one big rotor powered by a gas turbine or a piston engine. Uh, and so because you have eight rotors that lift the aircraft, you have, you know, if one of the motors fails, you still have seven others uh, that, can, that can support that. Um, but the trade-off is complexity. It's all software driven uh, and, and the ability to transition from vertical flight to horizontal flight is is, is very tricky. Uh, And and there's a bunch of other details we we don't have time to get into, but um, a short takeoff landing aircraft is essentially a very traditional fixed wing aircraft with just a little bit of new magic on it. And that little bit of new magic, which is what we call distributed electric propulsion, or basically placing a bunch of small electric motors along the leading edge of the wings, uh, gives you the ability to blow air over the wings and uh, that uh, provides more lift and more control at slower air speeds. Uh, and that allows us to take off and land in very short distances. Uh, and, and, and that combined with uh, some precision landing technology and computer controls of the, of the motors uh, really provides a very high degree of safety uh, and the capability to take off and land in short distance and to do it sustainably. So, so that's the kind of the secret sauce. Uh, and, and, and the commercial benefit is that um, we can do it for 70% lower operating costs than a VTOL. Uh, and the tradeoff is, the tradeoff is instead of needing a hundred feet of, of takeoff and landing area like a VTOL does, typical helipad is about fifty feet plus some safety zones. So you need about a hundred feet uh, of, of space, uh, you know, hundred foot across or hundred foot square or hundred foot diameter circle. Uh, and uh, we need a three hundred foot runway. So for three helipads next to each other instead of one, we can save you seventy percent in the operating cost, and we have a quieter operating aircraft. Uh, and and VTOLS will be quiet too, quieter than helicopters. So so really, that opens up the ability to operate in close to communities, uh, and and that's really exciting. So um, so so we think that moving forward, you know, there will be room for vehicles like Gaddock, There'll be room for VTOLS where you actually truly need a vertical takeoff and landing uh, capability, like on top of a small skyscraper or a tall skyscraper that doesn't have a lot of roof. Uh, or an oil rig or something like that, where you just don't have a lot of room. But when we look at distribution centers, um, almost every single distribution center has enough room to put a 300 foot runway on the roof or uh, next to it, a lot of these distribution centers, the regional ones in particular, are out in the middle of nowhere and there's lots of land right around them. And so we can build what's considered basically a private airport, uh, coincident with these um, distribution centers and and use those for, for takeoff and landing. So the real secret sauce is that electric motors, batteries, and in hybrid technology are just now good enough to be used on, on aircraft.
0: And how do you think about, so I imagine on the electric side, so batteries, right, cost and both uh, density, right, particularly uh, weight density or mass density, not the greatest when you're comparing it to a traditional liquid fuel. So how are you guys thinking about that?
1: yeah well it, it's definitely not as uh, is, is energy dense as as, as liquid fuel um, you typically have more energy density in the fuel itself than you do in batteries but a, a gas or turbine engine is not as efficient as an electric motor mm-hmm. so you lose a lot on the motor side and if you you know on the engine side on the gas engine side and you lose less on the uh, electric motor side so when you net out the both of the systems it's not as bad as you might think. I, I don't have the numbers at the top of my head, but it's not as bad as you might think. Nevertheless, um, you know, a pure battery electric aircraft will get, you know, again, it depends on the configuration, and everything, but, you know, 60 miles is, is generous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, So there are missions for, for that, um, you know, moving people within cities and those kinds of things. And you see some use cases, Uber has kind of uh, popularized that idea of moving people on a 20 or 30 mile mission. Um, but for our particular mission where we need to go, you know, 100, 200 miles, if, if not more, we need to move to a hybrid solution. And, uh, and that's the way automotive industry started. They started with hybrids like the Prius, mm-hmm. uh, and, and only recently are electric vehicles. You know, when they first came out, they were in the 80-mile range, and now they're in the several hundred-mile range. And so it's almost, uh, you know, and I've had four electric cars. Are, they're just wonderful to drive. Uh, just the experience is great. And now with the longer range, um, y- you, know, you can, you can use them for a lot of, a lot of, um, places where you, you know, normally use a gas car, uh, and, and as a charging infrastructure gets built out. So just much better that way.
0: And you guys would basically use a, an engine on board as a, uh, a generator more or less. And then all of the propulsion then would still come from the electric motors. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's different ways to implement hybrid electric, but you know, a, a common uh, way to move forward is you have a, a small set of batteries uh, that powers the motors, uh, and then you have a turbine or a turbine or a piston generator that, <clears throat> or you know, engine that drives a generator, which then, you know, either charges the batteries or drives the motors directly. And um, what's really interesting here is you can size that. Gas engine for cruise, um, whereas if you have a gas engine just by itself, you have to size it for takeoff power, mm-hmm. and so you have this big engine that you just only use partial power for most of the flight. In this case, we can optimize it, and we can use the batteries for for surge power for takeoff, uh, and then in cruise, you're just you know using the normal power of the of the engine to to drive that. So we can put a, a smaller engine in than than you'd normally need for an equivalent size piston or turbine aircraft.
0: You mentioned uh, uh, automotive and th- there's definitely been a ton of, you know, research and progress in the hybrid and electric vehicle space with obviously what well everything Tesla's doing, the Taycan, the Audi, the, everyone's in GM, they're all in on it, right? And, and there's been some solid advancements over the last five years or so in, in particular, how, how much of that is transferable to an aircraft?
1: Uh, well, you know, that's just the state of the industry is is moving forward and the volumes are so much higher with with uh, automobiles mm-hmm. uh, that, um, you know, aerospace can piggyback on on the advances that they're doing. You, you often the thing, though, is with with aerospace, we're a lot more sensitive to weight. Um, and then in the case of, of VTOLs, where you have these really high discharge rates, um, much higher than you do in automobiles you know you may or may not be able to use the same batteries that you have in in automobiles because uh you know batteries are you have to look at at, at discharge rate you have to look at um you know temperature ratings that they can handle you have to look at um, the amount of cycles that that chemistry can support and and so each application optimizes for a certain trade-off among those different variables and there's other variables as well and, and so um a, a VTOL needs certain types of, of optimizations, whereas a stall, because we use much less power for takeoff and landing, uh, we have a different set of trade-offs. And I think a stall aircraft, um, <clears throat> a stall aircraft, is much more likely to to use the batteries that automobiles can use because we have a lower discharge rate uh, than uh, you know than VTOLS do. So I, th- I think there is a lot of of, of, of over but we do need to have we're held to a different set of safety standards, so the way the the cells, the battery cells themselves, will be packaged uh, is going to be different because we have to monitor them, and we, more importantly, have to be able to have a way to 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 not have runaway, um, you know, runaway is called runaway thermal events, uh, because in a in a car, of course, you know, you can pull over and, and and get out of the car, In an aircraft, you can't do that, so they have to be much more. It has to go through a much more rigorous safety certification process, uh, and just the overall design has to be much more robust. So the cost is going to be, we estimate about five times higher uh, for a, a pack of, of cells than it will be for automobiles. Uh, and like Tesla's, you know, getting them in very high volumes, um, uh, and that's driven by the the safety aspect needed for aircraft and the and the certification process needed to to be able to run those in aircraft.
0: Yeah, and, and I think this has already somewhat been touched on, but it, so the, the the safety aspect, I think, is, is very interesting. The, the story I like to tell, so I, my first job out of college was with, with Boeing, um, working in interiors, and the the work to change uh, a glue on the wallpaper that sticks to the inside of your commercial. So I worked on the 787, and the something small like that is just astronomical for someone who's not in the industry, all the certification and concerns and stuff that goes in there. And now it seems like so definitely the EV tall you guys and with the the short takeoff and landing and there's there's several or many companies working in this urban air mobility space that seems to be at the intersection of traditional aerospace and technology, which still has all these safety concerns, right? Because you're still putting people in the air. But how mm-hmm. how are you guys thinking about trying to find the right balance there?
1: Well, we. I guess there's different ways to answer that. We are, <clears throat> we are taking an approach that minimizes the risk of the program overall by building a, a, a short takeoff and landing aircraft. So mm-hmm. in a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, basically everything in that aircraft is new technology. And a lot of it has never been certified before. Whereas in a stole aircraft, uh, there's a little bit of new magic on it and that new magic is primarily in the propulsion system and the whole industry, the whole aerospace industry is, is, is working on standards to, to certify that. Uh, and, and so we think that the new technology we have will be relatively straightforward to certify as compared with a digital fly-by-wire system uh, held to a very, very high level of safety for, that's required on a VTOL. Mm-hmm. We don't need a digital fly-by-wire system to, to operate a STOL aircraft but you need that in a VTOL. And that's just one of the things that will do that. Uh, regulators, uh, particularly Europe, uh, European regulators have specified uh, safety levels for these VTOL aircraft that are equivalent to, you know, part 25 aircraft or like the aircraft you worked on at Boeing. Uh, and, and, and the way the industry works today is that smaller aircraft are held to lower levels of safety than larger aircraft because, you know, if, if something goes wrong, fewer people are, are in jeopardy uh, if, if that airplane crashes. And, and so um, what's happening now is they're holding the small VTOL aircraft that might carry four or five people to the same level of safety as a much larger aircraft that carries 100 people. And so that's never really been done before in the industry. And to do that is, is very, very difficult and very expensive and complex and costly and time consuming. And so um, we we generally bypass that and we can certify our aircraft to a a level of safety commensurate with the size of the aircraft, with much simpler systems on board. And so that's that's our approach. Our approach is to very carefully choose what new magic to put on the aircraft um, in order to reduce overall program cost and risk.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think somewhat, uh, somewhat related. So at the beginning, you you spoke about different applications for this electric short takeoff and landing uh, type vehicle, and I understand you guys are, are focused on kind of this this middle mile, short haul B two B logistics in, in the uh, at least at the beginning, and then there's room to grow from there. But given all of the potential kind of as this new technology enables a new type of flight and a new type of vehicle, how, how were you able to center in on the middle mile um, as kind of your initial application? And has, has it been difficult to kind of avoid all of the different distractions or other ways that you could potentially go?
1: Well, as a startup, we have to focus an initial market somewhere and choose something. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the secondary markets, I wouldn't call them distractions. I would call them opportunities for future growth.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, and so, so the primary market is this middle mile. Secondary markets are, are, are carrying passengers, are military applications, uh, backcountry stuff, uh, disaster relief. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's lots of other opportunities for not only where this aircraft can used, but a family of different size aircraft that can be brought to market to address different use cases as well. Um, actually, the very first thing we did before any engineering was to uh, put together a hypothesis. And our hypothesis was around cargo logistics rather than carrying people. Um, one, because I think it'll be easier to build the infrastructure. And in a lot of use cases, you actually don't need any new infrastructure. Whereas um, if you are carrying people, you need to carry those people in close to where the population centers are. And that means there's a lot more issues around noise, community acceptance, and building infrastructure and building, a, you know, a helipad on top of a tall skyscraper is, is a lot more difficult than building a helipad uh, or a small a runway onto or next to a distribution center.
0: Especially you if you're know. trying to get DC fast charge or something there for <laughs> to charge up the batteries, right?
1: Well, that's the other thing, too, is, is a lot of the passenger vehicles on these short missions are are depending on on electric well if you want to bring a DC fast charger to the top of a skyscraper in the middle of a city it's not as simple as, as one might think you, you have to get that 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 you know to the building itself and then you have to get it to the top of the building and then you have to uh, also have a way for people to get to the top of the building and then you also have to have all the fire suppression systems and everything for, for uh, battery, Type vehicles up there as well, so it's it's the devil or in the details is the devil's in the details on that that kind of a thing there, um, and and so uh, between uh, you know having to fly uh, either in a city center or where there's a lot of residential or people or having to fly in in an industrial area where uh, there's you know cargo, we think that the ability to grow this business in a cargo area will actually be uh, much easier. And also when you have all this new technology on an aircraft uh, carrying cargo versus people who think it's just a, a, a better way to introduce new technology. Um, as you may know, uh, urban air mobility has been tried in the past in New York and in other places around the world. It's been tried with helicopters in the 60s. It's been tried here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, and, uh, you know, noise was, was a major issue, but also there's been some high profile crashes in New York City on the top of skyscrapers. And, and what happens is parts of the helicopter fall off and, and tumble down and kill people on the street. Uh, and so um, that's one of the reasons that VTOLs are being held to such high levels of safety because of you know, what we've learned in the past and we don't want that to happen again. And that could effectively really hurt the industry. Um, we, we think there's any issues in an industrial area, they're gonna be uh, much less than there will be in, in, a, in a city center. Uh, and, and so the hypothesis was around, you know, carrying cargo. And, and so what exactly does that mean? And so we talked to a lot of logistics companies, uh, retailers who are moving into e-commerce. It's very clear that e-commerce is a big driver of growth for, for many uh, retailers and logistics companies, e-commerce companies. Uh, and, and, um, and, and so exactly how could they use this? And what came out of those discussions was this idea of moving cargo through the middle mile. Uh, The last mile is really for small drones and there's a lot of activity in that space and there's ground robots for that and there's aerial drones. Um, Kind of similar to what's happening with Gaddock and with what we're doing, right? Both solutions will be useful. It just depends on the use case. Um, And and so this middle mile, this idea of moving cargo between warehouses, which traditionally, you know, trucks are fine because it's not very time sensitive, but as uh, e-commerce and the move to quicker and quicker e-commerce deliveries becomes more important, uh, the ability to move cargo from regional distribution centers into the city center for delivery is becoming more and more of a time-sensitive place. And so that's where we found a huge opportunity for for time-sensitive delivery, or not delivery, but time-sensitive movement of cargo that then goes out for delivery.
0: Yeah, and then uh, I want to just quick, because I want to close on a couple of rapid fire questions, but so we, we've primarily, or at least my, my most of my questions have been targeted towards the vehicle technology itself. However, yeah. th- there's a bigger picture. Like, you, you guys are also looking at providing some of the services and the logistics and, and management of of this uh, fleet or, or whatever as well, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and it's the same as as, as what trucking companies are doing today. Um, some trucking, you know, some companies and own their own trucks and they move their own goods. Uh, like for example, um, Walmart. Uh, other companies uh, hire third parties to to move goods for them. Uh, and like XPO Logistics, for example, is a trucking company that moves goods for other third parties. Uh, And and so that model exists today with trucks. And we're basically just replicating that model with aircraft. So some people will be able to buy the aircraft outright and operate it themselves. Other people will want to hire us to move, you know, a box from A to B.
0: Cool. So I'd like to quickly transition to three uh, rapid fire questions that I like to ask my guests. So these are more about kind of you rather than the, uh, the company or the work so th- the first one favorite book or books so there's anything in particular that you've read that has had a uh, specific impact on you
1: yeah you know I'd, I'd love to read more but I I, um, I just don't make time for it but I'd say the book that I've really enjoyed the most is probably um, a book called Atlas Shrugged um, by Ayn Rand and are you familiar with, with that yeah. book yep. yeah so I really like that book very inspirational I think
0: Cool. Uh, how about a uh, a hobby of yours when you're outside your work, and if you want to extrapolate beyond uh, in the middle of a pandemic, feel free as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I do fly uh, recreationally. I've been flying for thirty years, thirty-five years. Um, I flew in the navy, um, but now I just fly for fun, and um, got my license in college, and that's really great. I in the in the in the winter I enjoy skiing, in the summer I enjoy mountain biking.
0: Cool. And then the last of the uh, the rapid fire question. So, uh. uh personal strength of yours. So, so what is, and I know, so this airflow, um, arrow interesting, right? You guys are starting up. This is not the first company that you've been involved in kind of, uh, early stage startup. So with all that being said, what what do you think is something that you do particularly well that enables you to be successful?
1: Yeah. Um, I think probably just uh, getting stuff done and, and pushing through some, you know, pushing through some challenging stuff. Uh, this is the third company I've started, and um, they're all very, very difficult to, to get going. There's always something, uh, if not more than, you know, more than one thing, several things that you all have to kind of push forward and overcome to get the get the ball rolling. Um, and being a small company, it's r- you know really hard to, to do that. So. Um, but I really enjoy the challenge. You know, a few times I've worked for large companies, I've found it to be kind of slow and, and boring. And so I, I think my place in the world is just in, in uh, smaller environments where uh, I can have a bigger impact on, on, on the world around me and, and get things done.
0: And just to quickly expand on that. So as I understand, uh, so, so you guys are in kind of, or just, just kind of leaving the exciting um, creative aspect of find a problem that we want to focus on figure out how we're going to approach this and then now getting more into an executional operational standpoint right and is that kind of what you're talking about the, the being able to get stuff done is to be able to kind of make that shift and actually go and execute on the the big idea
1: well you know uh, finding on you know a lot a lot of companies start by just building a product like hey there's this cool technology we could build this thing right and then mm-hmm. Then later on, you have to figure out what to do with that thing. And, and I think a better approach is let's find a problem in the marketplace. And, you know, in sort of finding what that problem is and really identifying that problem and surrounding yourself with people who can help you really refine the value proposition, that's, you know, that's just the first phase of getting it going. Then the next phase is okay, how do we solve that problem? What's the best way to solve that problem? Um, and, and of course we bring our biases to the table. We're not, you know, we, we don't have the qualifications to, to, to build a, you know, like what Gaddock's building, for example, but we, we do have the qualifications to build a, an, an aerial vehicle. So we're, we're sort of biased towards that. So the, um, there, there is a transition, uh, you know, but, but we're still in that exciting phase of, of, of developing the vehicle, building up the customer base uh, and, you know, getting letters of intent or sales orders. So it's both the business side has to move forward, uh, and the engineering side has to move forward. Um, I do think that engineers very much enjoy building um, something that solves a specific problem, which increases the chances of it being successful in the marketplace, as opposed to just being a technology that they're building and not sure how they're going to sell it, um, because that can bite you uh, later on down the road. So, so that's that's our approach, and um, you know that's really. Uh, that's really where the effort is. So there's, it's always, you know, it's always something that you're trying to push forward, um, whether it's trying to get through to a customer, whether it's solving an engineering challenge, whether it's figuring out how to, where to raise money from, you know, it's, it's just part of the um, part of the challenge and the excitement of doing this.
0: Cool. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. So Mark, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a, uh, been a fun discussion. Definitely excited to see how you guys continue to progress over the, uh, the coming months and years and, uh, yeah, I guess just to just to leave if, if there's so I'll make sure to link to uh Airflow Arrows uh, website, LinkedIn page, your LinkedIn page. Um, is there, I guess, kind of an open ended? Is there any any place else that you would send people to, to learn more? And then also, if there's just any other thoughts, anything we missed that you want to leave us with, uh, feel feel free.
1: Well, uh, you can go to Airflow.arrow, which explains what we're doing in a little more detail. There's also a blog page on our website and we have several blogs that we posted already that um, talk about uh, we kind of make the case for for uh, electric short takeoff and landing aircraft we um, talk about uh, some of the engineering work that we're doing Um, and and uh, you can follow us on twitter and on linkedin Uh, and so if this is of interest to to the listeners uh, i would say that's a good place to to go see what we're doing
0: awesome well thanks again mark speak soon all
1: right thanks brandon
0: The Future Mobility podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. If you want to learn more or get in contact, share feedback, or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick.